Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor, and Pastor Charles Roberts. Thanks for joining Charles Roberts and me today for this episode of the Out of the Question podcast. But before we get to our specific question and topic, Charles, congratulations. We have an anniversary after 166 previous episodes that began four years ago. We today are doing our 167th. Well, that is certainly a cause to, uh, uh, to, to commemorate. Who would have guessed from our humble beginnings that we would uh, rise to this August occasion? Yes. And I have to say to those who are regular listeners, how much we appreciate hearing your comments with regards to how our discussions have helped you in your work for the kingdom. That's really what the goal is to get to biblical roots of issues that we face. And today, the question is, what does it mean to number our days aright? Now, for a little bit of background, many of you probably are familiar with the 12th verse of Psalm 90, which the Bible identifies as a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now, Charles, correct me if I'm wrong, but most people probably pass over that and say, well, life is short. But really what Moses is talking about there is death because we all have to face it. And since we have to say for the length of time man has been on the earth, death post the fall has been a part of the equation. And certainly our forebears in the faith lived longer than a lot of us today can expect. But somehow the last two years, 2020 and 2021, has put a renewed focus on death. And I think it has to do with that. And I can say this from my own experience. In the last two years, I'm more aware of the number of people who have died. Some died from COVID. Some died from vaccination reactions. Some died from chronic degenerative diseases. And some even died in tragic accidents. So based on the fact that death is a part of life, if we're going to put it that way, Charles, what do you think the scripture means and implies by instructing us to number our days aright? Well, one way that I think uh, we can get at an answer to that question is considering a couple of other translations of that verse. They're very similar, but one translation, a paraphrase, has it read, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Uh, another, teach us to count up the days that are ours so we shall come to the heart of wisdom. So, you know, that's really what's in view there is the fact that uh, by God's sovereign decree, all of us have a certain number of days that we live. And I think the warning there or the exhortation is that as, you know, people will eventually come to realize this sooner or later, generally after you get some age under your belt, is that you turn around and before you know it, 
this has happened and that's happened and you feel like you didn't have enough time to do that. Like, you know, if you're raising children or, or whatever it may be, the death of a spouse. Wow. It just seems like yesterday we got married or it seems like yesterday my, my, my baby was being baptized and now they're up and grown or, or he or she's passed on. So I think the Lord is exhorting us through the words of David in that Psalm that he is the God of time. Uh, and that means our time. We all have our personal end times, and from the moment we're born, we are marching toward that point. Now, of course, for people who have no hope, it is uh, a rather dark future, but we know that uh, death came into this world because of the fall of humanity, but our God, who is greater, took care of that in the sacrificial death and atoning work of Christ Jesus, in whom we have our hope, so that we can indeed count our days or number our days aright so that we may indeed follow in wisdom. But the challenge is, what is the wisdom in view there? And I think what you just said, while totally true, could be categorized as an academic answer. Not that by saying it, you just have it in your head and you don't apply it. But I think when you get up in the morning and you're faced with, you don't know what's ahead of you, since God never sends us a notice that says, by the way, on July such and such will be your last day. So we don't know if today is our last day. We don't know if we've got 30 years ahead of us. Since we don't get to interview people who have passed on and say, hey, what was that like? Were you shocked or were you just, yep, I knew this was coming and I was ready for it. There has something to do with our purpose on being here. And as Moses goes through this prayer, it's attributed to Moses, whether David wrote it or not, but it's, it's called a prayer of Moses. It's sort of as though he's reminding us that while the life of man is frail and short, God is eternal. So there should be a, ah, okay, it doesn't depend on me. If my days are numbered this much, it doesn't mean that the world stops because I didn't accomplish what I thought. And maybe I should focus my attention on what I'm to accomplish today. Yes, and certainly uh, an academic understanding of scripture is only a small part. It helps to know the languages and how to analyze things, but uh, the Bible is, above all, a very practical book, and it's meant to teach us how to live because it speaks to all areas of life. And we are daily confronted, even as you mentioned in the past two years, with the passing on of friends and loved ones. And I think that uh, if the past two years and the COVID stuff has taught us anything, it's that our, our days can be defined by various things, and I think everyone has been impacted in the way that the government in particular has decided that our days will look a certain way. Uh, you won't go to school anymore if your kids are in government school or even if they're in a Christian school. Uh, you won't be able to go to this place or that. You won't run your business. So time has taken a very interesting turn for a lot of people, and it's worth asking, who is it that's going to teach us to number our days? What do you think? Well, let's go back to Psalm 90. The fourth verse in Psalm 90, Moses seems to make the point. He says, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. So time does not have the same meaning for God 
that it has for us. And so anything that causes us to pay attention to now, not only to now, but every future is a now at some point, is to ask ourselves if we are potentially going to meet the creator and judge, how do we want to stand before him? So we don't have thousands of years to live on this earth if we take a look at statistics, but what we do have is the guide by which we're supposed to live. So when Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments, it would seem to me that now more than ever, an understanding of God's authoritative law word and how every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God applies to us would be a initial step in terms of saying, am I ordering my days right? You know, it's interesting that verse four, for a thousand years in your sight are, but as yesterday. And, you know, this time of year, people make New Year's resolutions. Someone asked me just the other day, have I decided what my New Year's resolution was going to be? And I was really struck by the fact that we tend to think that way and talk that way. But you notice it's our days that we are to number. And uh, Dr. Rush Dooney in, um, in volume, let's see, what is it? Volume three of Good Morning Friends, uh, he originally shared this on August 18th, 1953. And it's called Journey's End. And it's something he wrote concerning the 23rd Psalm. But he makes a very interesting point that it's in fact our days that we are to consider and not so much years. And that may seem like a trivial point, but I would invite our uh, listeners to get that book and, and read every chapter and the other two volumes as well. But he, the point he's trying to make there, I think, is that, you know, we, we don't get up and live a year. We live a day at a time. And this is the means by which God enjoins us to be faithful to his law. That's okay, I guess, to have New Year's resolutions. But to me, I'd much rather set a goal for the next 24 to 48 hours uh, because I think that's a little more reasonable for me to say, I, with God's help, by the power of the Spirit, I can accomplish this between now and tomorrow morning. Exactly. Each day has enough troubles of its own, and the Lord's Prayer tells us to pray for our daily bread. Right. And good Reformed people will know that if you say, I'll be here, or I'll be there next week or next year, we say, God willing, mm-hmm. because we have not been given a vision as to whether or not our future or what we perceive as our future um, is going to come into reality for us. Maybe we'll be here. Maybe we won't. So I think it gives us a very present focus on, are we loving God? Are we obeying God? Because when, when people say, I believe in Jesus, or the scripture says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, another really correct translation could be, obey the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So by separating belief and obedience, I think oftentimes people are left with not a clear blueprint on how to proceed in their life. That's a very important point. There have been, at least by a couple of authors that I'm familiar with, a number of books written on that entire point of the relationship of belief and action. 
I think because of the influence of the uh, rationalistic enlightenment uh, that have that has infected or influenced churches of various types, Protestant, Catholic, and otherwise, uh, people tend to separate belief from action. So you can believe something in your head, like two plus two equals four, but that doesn't really have any impact on how you live your life or some sort of corresponding action. But in the people of the the ancient Near East, uh, people in Moses' day, people in Jesus' day. In those languages, in those cultures, belief was absolutely not separate from action. So to, to believe something implied very clearly that you would govern yourself in a particular manner. It, it, it automatically equaled action. And so this is something that needs to be recovered or, dare I use the term, reconstructed into our lives, into our churches. That, yeah, e- each day we get up, we are to believe certain things, but that belief is borne out by how we act on that belief. And the priorities that we place. The last two years, we've talked about lockdowns. People have lost their identities because in some cases they've lost their jobs or their business. And although we wouldn't applaud it nor think that it's necessarily right, the actions that were taken, nonetheless, they happened. And so the real question would be, how do I receive what God has allowed and foreordained? And, and going back to Psalm 90, the 15th verse says, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. So within the context of that Psalm, which oftentimes verses are pulled out and not necessarily shared within the context, is the the psalmist is saying, life is not a bowl of cherries. And when I like what's happening, thank you, God. And when I don't like what's happening, thank you, God. And help me take what is happening and reorient myself. Because ultimately, if it doesn't come from God, then he's not sovereign and he's not Lord. And since we believe he is both of those things, we have to say, okay, this is what we've got for today. And the following verses in that psalm end on a very high note. You know, up to this point, it is not uh, a very happy sounding thing. Uh, You know, our days are numbered. We don't like to hear that. Uh, And whether it's ourselves or someone very close to us, someone we know, uh, maybe their days have come to an end in in this world. But uh, he, he also goes on to say, uh, satisfy in the, us in the morning with your steadfast love, your, your covenant love, that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Uh, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon, yes, uh, st- establish the work of our hands. So the idea there is not to just sort of be crestfallen and walking around looking down at your feet because your days are numbered. Um, the idea is that the Lord has given you a number of days, and he expects you to be at work in that time that you have, so that indeed his favor can be and, and is upon us. And we have that hope that the the work that we have been about doing in his name will be established. You know, as I was thinking through how we would address this topic, what came to mind was one of the poems that ended up being in the anthology of Dr. Rush Dooney's poetry entitled The Luxury of Words. And the story that most people may or may not know is that 
for decades, he was writing poetry, but not necessarily for public consumption because they were written on napkins, maybe when he was waiting at a coffee shop or the back of utility bills. And these were found after he passed away. And rightfully so, his son and their family said, this shouldn't just be a private thing. This is something that we should share with others. Well, there's a poem that was written in October of 1990. Now, he didn't title his poems. That's part of the reason that it's surmised that he didn't really intend that other people besides he would be consuming them or looking back on them. But we ended up entitling it Beyond the Story, because since there were so many of them, we decided it would probably be helpful if we gave them titles. But let me read it for you. It's not very long, but I think it's a perspective that speaks to our topic today. It goes like this. The middle time, an undone story, is where we live. And we leave before the plot unfolds, with threads unfinished, the tale not fully told. We enter in the middle, and we leave within that middle, as minor characters whose work is done. The center is not us, nor we the story. The plot moves on beyond us. We neither start nor end the tale. The power beyond us, having written us into a moment, then moves on. The story is too vast for us to grasp the whole. And yet the teller knows all details, forgetting none. Unforgotten, but all completed and all made whole in him. We stand beyond the story, in eternity, beyond all time the story done, and victory won. Now, I have used that perspective so many times as I've encouraged myself and had the opportunity to mentor and counsel others. You see, if we think it's all about us, we've missed the point. But even more so, to relish the opportunities and the roles God has given us now. So rather than aspire to the thing that you think everybody should appreciate you for, but nobody seems to have that high on their list, look at what you can do right now within the position and the influence and the jurisdictions that God has given you and recognize you're part of this ongoing story. You know, people die. There's a lot of people in history I have not met face to face that no doubt I will meet in the future, but we know people die. So numbering the days that God gives us is a very present time focus that says, is what I'm doing right now important in God's eyes? And death certainly has a way of making that a, uh, a I'll, I'll say, a front burner issue. And uh, among our uh, listeners, whether you yourself have had the experience of uh, being with someone very close to you who's passed away, parent, spouse, whatever, or even just a good friend, or maybe somebody you didn't even know that well, you you just realize uh, there's really a thin veil that separates the, the days of our lives in this world from those who have left it physically. And it's a very hard thing to try to figure out. And, 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 but you, you, 
you come away with that experience of uh, I've had as a pastor the experience of being with more than a few people who have breathed their last last breath in my presence, including my own father. You know, you struggle for words to try to describe the the emotions and the feelings that you encounter in that moment. But certainly one of them is that you realize exactly what Moses is saying here in this psalm is that uh, our days are fleeting. And he, he likewise says in, in another part there that, uh, or he implies that, that in the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. You know, we, we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. And he, he goes on to describe the fleeting nature of this. So it, it is a good uh, smack in the face, to put it that way, <laughs> to keep us aware of the fact that, yeah, we, we have to be setting our, our, our goals and our priorities according to God's law and God's standards. That is a major, major challenge in the culture in which we live, which is being bathed and washed, you know, in media and all kinds of things that compete for and challenge God's authority. And I think modern man is so consumed with youth and trying to hide the fact of getting older, whether it's dyeing our hair or dressing in such a way that we think makes us look you know, 10, 15 years younger, we miss the fact that the number of years God has given us, that number is meant to make us better servants, better children, better obeyers of the Lord. And when we focus on things that are, not that they're not important, but I'll give you a great example. With the lockdowns, there are a number of people I know who've gotten involved in health coaching. And I think it's wonderful that there are people who are putting their attention on helping others stay healthy. After all, in the midst of viruses and an upheaval in your life, it's good to enhance your immune system as much as possible. But what seems to be their focus is showing before and after pictures of saying, look how slim I've become, or you can become slim like this too, and measuring the success based on the number of pounds lost. Even though it wouldn't be the best marker, they don't publish the difference in their blood work that says, I'm much healthier now than I was before. It all seems to be on the appearance. And yet, whether you die obese or in great shape or undernourished, you still die. And so in the midst of these activities, which again are beneficial, especially if you're going to live 30 years more, you might as well live it healthier. But there isn't this focus on we need to be getting healthier in the sense by understanding God's law word and applying it because ultimately that's the precursor of everything else. And that is a very good example of how people who are otherwise very dedicated to following God's word in their lives, in life, their family, the church, are not fully aware as to, as to how much we have been co-opted by the swan song of the culture. And what you just described, the, you know, get yourself in good shape, um, feel good about how you look, you know, take care of yourself and all this sort of thing. That's a, a sort of a modern invention. Uh, and I speak as one who've been very dedicated to that most of my life, you know, but I have gotten to the point where, well, in the past, I don't know, 15 or 20 years or so, whenever I go to my doctor for my annual physical, I just say, and I really, I do, I do say this just to remind myself more than anything else, 
Well, I'm here for my annual exercise in futility. Because no matter what the blood work says, I mean, we all are going to have this experience of dying physically. And um, we look at how much time we do dedicate to getting in shape and feeling and eating right. All, all those things we are to take care of ourselves. Uh, although I don't know other than taking Paul's statement about your body being the temple of the Holy Spirit, which it certainly is, but I'm not sure that Paul would have immediately translated that into a three-year membership at the local health club. But that's the way people want to read that. At the end of the day, to use an overworked phrase, what is the Lord going to say to us? Thank goodness, you know, you kept your waistline at this number of inches and you kept your biceps pumped up. Or is he going to say to us, thank goodness, you were dedicated to the extension and expansion of my kingdom and how you raised your children, how you witnessed to your neighbors and how you serve my church. It's well done, good and faithful servant. That's the context in which we have to anticipate either I never knew you or, you know, enter into my rest. So I I like the way Psalm 90 begins. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. See, that needs to be the foundation of numbering our days right. And then when the psalm ends, it says, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yea, establish the work of our hands. And there's nothing greater than knowing what the work of your hands should be. And I don't think you need to consult a, you know, a crystal ball or go to, you know, a life coach to figure that out. The words of scripture will tell you what the work of your hands should be. And if anybody maybe is a little confused by that wording, um, again, some of the other translations, uh, let me read one of them. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. May the sweetness of the Lord be upon us to confirm the work that we have done. Uh, That's essentially what it's saying. Now, you know, I don't know, the term success has, you know, negative implications if you really take God's word seriously. Not that he doesn't want us to be successful, but we all know that's sort of part of the same self-help stuff. Your one goal in life is to be successful. No, your one goal in life is to be faithful. Right. God will take care of the rest of that. And so in numbering our days, I think that should be one of the top priorities. Maybe the priority is that this day I will again make an effort by God's grace and his spirit to be faithful to his law and to his calling in my life. Which, of course, means you have to know what that is. And you can't just say, whatever I'm doing is right and God will be happy. That's not what the history of God's people has shown. When God's people didn't do what he said, they ended up in captivity. They ended up with problems. So we should not assume that because we think it's great, God's going to approve. And that kind of attitude makes it so that we don't take the present seriously. I mean, 
think of it, Charles, all of us get into these big machines, we call them automobiles, and we drive around and there are other people coming the opposite way who are passing us. And it's just a question of do we stay in our lanes or do we not? I have a dear friend who in 2020, her husband was on his way back from work and was going to meet the family for a picnic. And he never got there because his vehicle was hit by a semi. Mm, Wow. Now, some people would say that's a terrible way to die. I have no idea how the people on the other side evaluate how they died. I think they, I'm I'm guessing they evaluate it in terms of what's their next step and when they come face to face with the Lord. I also know other people who have lost spouses through long protracted illnesses and they had to watch their husband or wife suffer. So there are different ways that God gives individual people the path that they're going to take. And if we can honestly say, that God has numbered our days, then really when we say, help us to number our days aright, what we're really saying is, help us number our days the way you've numbered them. Yes, and that, again, is part of the challenge because there are plenty of people and entities who would be glad to number your days for you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And this is, again, we have seen this in the past two years with the lockdowns and all the rest of it. And, you know, there, there are so many bad things about this uh, pandemic stuff and all the rest of it, but it is certainly brought to the fore by God's sovereign authority. The, the clarity of how government sees itself as God walking on the earth and directing every aspect of man's life, uh, it, it sees itself as having this divine prerogative to say when you're sick, when you're not, when life begins, when it doesn't. What is a man? What is a woman? All of these things. And I think God has allowed this to happen and brought this to the fore so that we may indeed see, well, who is, who is numbering my days? Who is it? And how's that working for me if it's anyone other than the sovereign God of Holy Scripture? And I go so far as to say, Charles, that the institution of the state is not the only institution that has carried on this way. We see it in the university We see it in many churches, and we see it in many families, deciding for their children what it is you're going to do with your life, having five-year, 10-year, 100-year plans. I I think it's good so long as people are saying, what does the Word of God say? But when individuals decide that they know what the next 100 years is going to look like, all we would have to do is go back to the year 1922, as opposed to 2022. A lot of what people might have thought was the future and what people should invest in and should people occupy their time probably seems sort of silly right now. But if they had endeavored to know God's word and apply it, I believe they would have been in a better position to understand what pleases God and what does not. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to say a word to anyone who may be dismayed over some of this discussion because maybe they find themselves in a position of life where looking at the calendar, they feel like physically or from a health standpoint, they don't have that many days left. And whether it's been based on an analysis of how they've lived their own life or maybe they have children 
and would look at them and say, you know, gee whiz, I'm not going to be living long enough to see how this turns out, or I'm not very happy the way my child is behaving uh, or, or whatnot. Well, think about it this way. If you think about how your days were rolling along for you when you were 22, based on how they are rolling along for you when you're 52 or 62, you can see, I think, probably a huge difference. So just because a person's days are numbered in such a way or are analyzed in such a way in their 20s or how they're behaving at any given time, that doesn't, that doesn't set the course of their life forever. Only God determines that. And I think that we should be encouraged with, with hope and recognition, even as Moses is mentioning in this psalm, that it is the Lord who guides our steps. He gives us the power and the ability to obey his word and to be faithful to it. And that uh, ultimately he is the one, he numbers the hairs on our heads, and our lives will unfold in the way he has divinely ordained it. And that should be enough. That should be enough for us in terms of satisfaction and peace. Indeed. You know, I think it's interesting that unless I have missed it, there's nothing in Scripture that gives us an account of people after they've died. Right. Right. Let me tell you what it's like. There is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and um, I think that's a a parable. I don't know that there was actually that discussion that went on. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But the point is that since we don't know the day of our death, since we don't know what it's going to be like. Are we going to be able to look back and see what's happening for our children? Are we going to be able to say, oh, wow, that plant, that seed I planted, you know, has blossomed into a great tree. We're not given that view, nor should we, because if God hasn't decided to reveal it to us, then it's probably best that we don't know. But getting outside the limitations of time to realize that after this life, it's not all over. It's not all a waste one way or the other. There is eternity. And it is a hard concept to grasp. I'll be honest with you. When you start thinking about eternity, for me, it's like, yeah, when does it start? When does it end? So I'm still stuck with this time paradigm. But if we live our lives in such a way that if today was our last day, that's okay. We did what we were supposed to do. As the expression now says, we didn't leave anything on the table. In other words, we didn't say, well, I can always finish that tomorrow as a reason not to be faithful today. Yes, indeed. And that gives me um, an opportunity to share one final thing in terms of my thoughts on this topic. And they're actually not my thoughts. They're those of Dr. Rushduni, who in the book I referred to earlier, Good Morning Friends, Volume 3, He wrote this, but the man who finds his all in God lives in a different climate. His life is no longer his own and is now the property and instrument of God. He becomes a partaker of the divine nature, and the old storms touch him less and less because they have no part in him. He walks on life's journey with goodness and mercy, and the journey's end is peace. He walks with the words of our Lord resounding in his heart, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. That sort of sums it up. I don't think I could say it better, and I think it's a good place to stop today's discussion, but I hope that it will cause those who listen to it, maybe even to share it with others who you find are troubled by the times. One of the greatest 
assurances we have is that there is a God, we're not him, and he's got this under control that nothing has gone outside of his purview. So there's no reason to be dismayed. Absolutely. We are optimistic about the future, not because of what we see going on on television, but because of what we see in God. And we'd be more optimistic if we didn't bother to look at what's on television. (laughs) Amen to that. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Well, listeners, thanks again for joining us. We appreciate the fact that the Out of the Question podcast continues. And please always feel free to contact us with any of your thoughts at outofthequestionpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.